ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Hi, I'm Melissa Clark, coming to you from Gadigaland. This is ABC News Daily. Artificial intelligence is disrupting and transforming our working lives. But while it holds the promise of greater productivity as machines take over the tasks of sorting, assessing and analysing from the human brain, it could also threaten a wide range of jobs and make income inequality even worse. Today, Professor Bhaskar Chakravorty, the Dean of Global Business at Tufts University in the United States, on how worried we should be about the AI revolution. Professor Chakravorty, artificial intelligence has just exploded over the past year and is really promising to transform our lives. What is it that makes AI so powerful? I think AI is powerful for many, many reasons, not the least of which being that it allows us to transfer a whole bunch of tasks to uh, automated systems. And uh, in uh, many ways, it frees up human beings from doing those tasks. And in many situations, uh, uh, the tasks could be so complex that uh, no combination of humans could actually accomplish them. So we could turn this over to machines and it could process all that information very quickly and help us make better choices. And those choices may have to do with, you know, big organizational decisions or something as simple as correcting the grammar in a sentence. Right. So we know computer algorithms have been used for a long time in, in many ways, but the recent shift in AI is towards generative AI systems like ChatGPT, which use machine learning. How is that shift likely to change our economy? What sort of jobs and work might be affected? Yeah, so, you know, historically, the belief was that most of the routine jobs, you know, if, for example, uh, if you want to drop a contract for the sale of a home, why do I need a high price professional uh, to go through it? Instead, I have an AI system that you know pretty much reads the template and does it. So many of these routine jobs could potentially uh, be done by the AI systems. That was the traditional belief. And still, those are the jobs that are most at risk. Now, with the appearance of generative AI, what that has done is raised the possibility that a lot of white-collar jobs, and these jobs are people who are in, uh, say, the marketing functions, they produce white papers or blogs, or they write copy for advertising, uh, or even uh, you know people who work for analyst houses like uh, Goldman Sachs and McKinsey, many of those jobs could be taken over by generative AI systems. So these are white-collar, higher-paid jobs, which are also at risk. Given that breadth, it really does suggest that it could be transformative in the economy, in particular when it comes to productivity. Do we have a sense of what AI might mean for productivity across the economy? So if the AI systems are uh, deployed in um, areas where you could expect the systems to you know, do things more efficiently and faster and uh, employ fewer human beings taking less time, you know, arithmetically, that translates into greater productivity. Uh, as long as the outputs of these AI systems are as good or almost as good as what the humans could produce. 
In some cases, the outputs may be even better than what the humans could produce, in which case, of course, there's a you know, huge jump in productivity. So the quality here is a really key factor of how much impact AI can have. Absolutely. One is uh, the quality. The second is, of course, the uh, acceptance of the rest of society for the products of these AI-generated systems. So that's another issue because a lot of humans may not entirely trust something that has been delivered by uh, automation, by a chatbot, or by an algorithm. We do have other points in the advancement of technology in our economy that have made some really fundamental leaps, you know, the development of the internet or the penetration of smartphones. Can we gauge anything from the introduction of those aspects of technology into our economy to uh, take a guess at how that might see the introduction of AI play out? Yeah, I think this is a great question because when we look at the history of uh, uh, technology, particularly digital technology, and its impact on productivity, the history is a, is a rather confusing guide. Interestingly, um, since you know, pretty much uh, after the Second World War, you know, we saw a pretty significant jump in productivity. Production is very important in Australia. Indeed, production is vital because without it, there will be falling standards of living, there will be diminishing exports to the rest of the world, and we will fail to do our duty by mankind wherever mankind may live. All the way up to the 70s. And then right around the 70s, productivity started falling. And that was also coincident with the introduction of computers. That fall in productivity continued into the 80s as more computing started entering the systems. In a few short years, computers have become part of our lives and there's no sign of the trend slowing. With the advent of desktop machines, businessmen, shopkeepers... And, and so there is a, a, a history of a, somewhat of a paradoxical relationship between the introduction of digital technology and productivity. And what we found is that the introduction of new inventions, whether it's the internet or the World Wide Web, or even uh, you know singular products like the Apple iPhone, you know, they may have led to episodic increases in productivity, but not a systemic long-term increase in productivity. Now, why do I say that AI uh, is likely to be a, a different story? I think AI, because of the nature of what AI is uh, supposed to do, which is essentially you know, uh, uh, take over human jobs and then over time do them even better, uh, I feel that AI does hold the promise of actually defeating history and uh, increasing uh, uh, human productivity. All right, so let's take the optimistic view and say your assessment is correct and we do see AI create really significant improvements to productivity. What will that mean for people working in those jobs and the wages they receive? Yeah, so recently a number of uh, very well-respected analysts like Goldman Sachs and McKinsey have released studies and uh, with, with sort of eye-watering numbers about you know, how quickly these productivity improvements are going to come. Modelling by investment bank Goldman Sachs predicts AI will deliver a 1.5% lift in productivity across the global workforce in the next decade and there'll be a 7%... The second thing that uh, is important to keep in mind is that increase in productivity doesn't mean an increase in wages across the board. 
What it means is that those who remain employed, their wages are going to go up because they can produce more output for any given hour of work. But what that also means is that there are many people who are going to be laid off and they'll have to find alternative uh, work. And if they can't find alternative work, their wages are going to go down. So the net effect on everybody's wages is that it's going to lead to a lot of inequality. The people who are likely to be affected are historically disadvantaged minorities. And these could be uh, racial minorities or uh, women who are historically have been in many of the routine occupations that AI is likely to displace uh, earlier rather than later. And what about at a more societal level? Does it also mean that companies and countries that are heavily investing in AI will also see their power and influence increase? Yeah, absolutely. Many of these AI decisions, they require an enormous amount of computing power. So what that means is that very few companies are going to be able to afford it, and very few companies are actually behind all the R&D in AI. So the concentration that we're currently experiencing in the tech industry, that's only going to get worse. So that's yet another outcome of what we're going to see. We're going to see inequality in wage uh, growth. We're going to see inequality in terms of increasing monopolization of power in the tech business. And when I say the powers, these are likely to be more in the private sector rather than in the hands of governments. Because what we've seen in terms of the amount of money that the governments are spending, and these are even the big uh, AI superpowers like uh, the United States and China, the amount of money that they're investing in AI doesn't come close to the amount of money that the Googles and Microsofts of the world are spending. There's an enormous interest and a redirection of scarce resources. By scarce resources, I mean talent, I mean data, I mean oversight capabilities. A lot of that is being directed towards generative AI applications. And my fear is that it's going to take these resources away from potentially societally more meaningful applications of AI. And to my mind, some of the biggest applications are saving human lives, whether it is in drug discovery or in crisis response during a heart so now uh, AI has been used to track down victims. And, uh, and there are lots of other applications where human lives have been affected by thoughtful deployment of AI. And all of that requires further work and further development. And my worry is that because of this obsession with uh, generative AI, we are potentially losing sight of some of these larger societally meaningful applications. Basker, as someone who spends a lot of time thinking about AI, do you believe the integration of AI into our lives will make our lives better? Are you an optimist or a pessimist in this case? Well, ultimately, I'm an optimist. But the path to optimism, you know, is, uh, you know, many uh, sojourns in pessimism. Invention after invention, we struggled to integrate them into our lives. In fact, even when the printing press first came about and books uh, became a thing, people worried that everyone would become stupid because they wouldn't know how to memorize things anymore because there's just a page on which stuff is written. But here we are. Uh, We consider uh, the reading of a book as an intellectual activity. So I do believe that over the long haul, there are grounds for optimism, but we are going to make lots of mistakes along the way.
Professor Bhaskar Chakravorty is the Dean of Global Business at Tufts University in Boston. This episode was produced by Flint Duxfield, Veronica Appap and Sam Dunn, who also did the mix. Our supervising producer is David Cody. I'm Melissa Clark. ABC News Daily will be back again tomorrow. You can find all of our episodes of the podcast on the ABC Listen app. To get in touch with the team, email us on abcnewsdaily at abc.net.au. Thanks for listening.